In the words of Thomas Paine, these are the times that try men's souls. Welcome to another episode of Work Life Unbalanced, hosted by Jason Lichney, a branding and marketing expert, graphic artist, and entrepreneur, and Regino Romeo, Chief Human Resources Officer, HR Expert Witness, and Forbes Author. Whether your workplace is your true north or things are going south when it comes to work, it's only something. This show is brought to you by CBS HR Consulting and sponsored by LinkedIn Talent Solutions and Oracle Public Sector. I'm Josh Goldman with music from Matt Michaelis. And now, here are your hosts, Jason and Regina. So welcome to Work Life Unbalanced. Today we have the privilege of talking to Leslie Scott, who's the executive director of NASPY and for um, maybe a lot of HR professionals in the public sector space, you've, you've heard of NASPY, but for some of our other listeners, maybe not so much. So Leslie, uh, first of all, welcome uh, to the podcast. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. And um, I guess give us a little intro on, you know, what is NASPY? What does it even stand for? Start there. <laughs> sure. So NASPY stands for the National Association of State Personnel Executives. Personnel may be a little bit outdated of a term, but it's um, it's it was the terminology uh, that that they had back in 1977 when uh, this organization was founded, and it was founded because um, state government HR directors from across the country uh, wanted to put together a network to discuss uh, topics of interest uh, among them, and so there are. Only 50 people who do what our members do. They're the HR directors appointed by their governors or in some cases agency heads to run the essentially civil service system in state governments. Yeah, because NASHRI, Nash I guess, doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> we'll call it NASPY. Or you could put the C-H-R-O in there, <laughs> N-A-S-C-H-R-O-E. All kinds of hieroglyphics going yeah. on. <laughs> so as far as what your organization does, so you are you just primarily a network or do you, you know, provide services or what is your mission, I suppose? Sure. So the biggest thing we do is provide that network uh, for the state government HR directors to uh, discuss issues of interest. But also we do uh, research uh, surveys and um, host conferences for our members as well to keep them updated on topics. And how did you how did you start to get involved with this organization? Like, how did that come about? So, yeah, I don't. I'm not an HR person. I wasn't an HR practitioner. I have a background in association management. So I actually worked for state government associations, um, the procurement officials and uh, the administration general services officials uh, prior to uh, prior to working with NASPY. And uh, the NASPY position became available. I was uh, very interested in that and um, have have been here now for 20 years. And so I, I guess when you when you're dealing with all of these high level people, right, 50, the 50 top leads or top bosses or big cheeses in the uh, in the in the HR world for for different states, um, you know, right now in, in the midst of COVID-19 and and everything else that's in work from home culture and basically uh, everything's upside down. 
the people that you deal with on a daily basis probably are pretty busy, right? And um, how, how does your organization help in times of crisis like this? And, and were you, like, what's going on? What's going on to, to help these different states unify and, and figure out how to handle workforces? Sure, they are busy, but they are all also looking for I, for ideas and to share amongst one another. So uh, one of the things that we have done uh, over the past several weeks is have a weekly call with all the state HR directors to talk about all the COVID-related issues, whether those are leave policies, hazardous pay policies, uh, telework, everything that that has affected the state government workforce uh, um, throughout. Um, that's one of the one of the challenges with the state government workforce is uh, you have uh, office office folks, you have the uh, corrections 24 seven facilities. So um, there's a, a great uh, number of um, jobs and issues that arise. Um, so dealing with that has been their biggest biggest issue uh, over the past several weeks. And um, so we get them together on calls, they share ideas. That's the great thing about public sector is nothing's proprietary. So they're all very willing to share uh, share what they're doing and how they're approaching some of these issues. And, uh, you know, we keep in touch via email uh, through, um, so they can ask questions throughout the week, uh, between between the calls on Mondays and to get answers to to questions that might arise, so it's uh it's been it's been interesting to watch for sure. They're has, busy, but they value this network very much. Has it been interesting, like the personalities? Because I know some of the states are very very different from each other, right? Like you have Florida pushing to like have spring break again uh, before we're even <laughs> supposed to be out of quarantine with opening up, you know the the beaches, and then you have uh, places in California that are you know you Looking can't even August yeah they're know? like they're like we're not opening ever, ever. <laughs> right <laughs> so do you have this 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 disagreement of like like where you'd have some HR people being like y'all are crazy for not uh just opening your office and right. versus the we're never going back uh perspectives um does that happen a lot and is that pretty fun to listen to <laughs> you know, it, it's kind of funny. They they um, they're very good about um, keeping politics out of the discussion for the most part. I think their ultimate ultimate goal is to advocate for the state employee, but also um, make sure they're following guidelines and in, in the law um, when it when it comes to a lot of this so they really don't have a lot of lot of issues like that to be honest um, I think it is interesting you know uh, maybe different perspectives in who is offering um, hazardous duty pay or some type of incentive to employees the frontline folks who are coming to work versus the states that are not um, um, some states still, there are a couple of states who s still have employees coming into the office. Um, well, most states are, are teleworking as much as they can, as, as some of them said, stretching the limits of telework at the moment. Um, but um, it's uh, most of the time it's, uh, I, hate, I hate to say it's, it's um, you know, they're, they're, well, I don't hate to say it, but they're, they're pretty respectful <laughs> of one another and maybe isn't as entertaining as you might think it would be. <laughs> so how, how can we, how can we get it to be? be more entertaining 
Like, can can I can I maybe have an agenda item and just ask an open ended question don't, that I know? Don't let him drop in the meeting. As an HR person, I can do myself, like one of those no. Zoom, one of those Zoom drop ins. You know, we hear about the security issues with Zoom. I'll just come in. I'll ask a probing question. You then know, leave. And just blow up the <laughs> whole leave. meeting, you know. <laughs> then I'm out. <laughs> you know, well, and because it, it's interesting how this, the different states have responded because it is, you know, very um, guided by the governor who appoints a lot of, the, who appoints all of the people that are part of your organization. I mean, personally, I would, you know, they said, oh yeah, in Florida and, and Georgia are opening up and I'm kind of ready to get on a plane and go get my nails done this weekend because we're struggling <laughs> out here in California. But, you know, so with the different response levels that we've had, what has been kind of the the over, is there like a universal challenge that everybody is facing right now um, that doesn't vary from state to state? Or what is the, what is the temperature like in the, in the room or in the conversations that you're having? Right. You know, I think they have been so consumed with um, the leave policies, particularly the ones, uh, the, the um, expanded FMLA, FMLA. Mm-hmm. and how to um, interpret the federal federal guidelines and um, and implement those throughout the, the state. And I don't think that has it hasn't varied much among obviously it can't vary much among the states because it's federal it's guidelines, federal, right? but at, at the same rate, how it how it um, how it folds into their current policies and the things that they were offering. I think that that has been um, the, the biggest issue they found. And again, I think um, just a um, the thoughts on offering uh, uh, pay and incentives for folks like uh, corrections officers mm-hmm. and uh, nurses and those in the psychiatric facilities and such to to come to work. And right. um, so that's been that's been that's been the the, the issues that have uh, brought them together. And there's really not a lot of um, um, difference in, in their approach. Um, and I think uh, you know, we'll see. They this past week on the call, it was I felt like for the first time they were actually breathing again um, and uh, actually talking about uh, what's going to happen when people do do return to the office mm-hmm. and some of those return to work uh, policies that they will have to implement. So what do you think is going to happen? You know, we talk about state civil service with prior to COVID-19 saying like, you know, we just we can't work from home remote. We can't work remotely like the private sector. We just can't. And then now all of a sudden everybody's working from home, but then when they go back to work and then somebody has a comment of like, why don't we have a telework policy? I, are they going to be able to go back? Well, we just can't. I mean, is that going to ha- are we going to have to reshift how we think about telework? Um, and is that something they're thinking about or maybe not yet? I, I think they're they're starting to think about that, and because it, it is, I, I think it's understood that it's not going to go back to the way it was. The telework is going to become part of part of the norm uh, and more of a norm. And so, um, you know, while they're dealing with the day to day crisis and, and challenges, they're they're going to have to look more long term at that. And I think this is a perfect opportunity. I think a lot of them have wanted to to implement some of these policies but it's mm-hmm. it's not easy it's hard but they've they've been forced to do it now so 
I anticipate changes. Yeah, because yeah, it was kind of an overnight thing where it's just you're in your office on Tuesday and by, you know, Wednesday afternoon, things are changing and you have to worry about, you know, connectivity and if people have enough equipment and things like that that are just, you know, urgent matters. So this is not your first rodeo since you've been doing this for, for 20 years and we've had a recession before. So what are some of either the lessons learned from like a previous recession that you're applying now or things that came out of, let's say, 2008, 2009, when we had, you know, similar circumstances and how it relates to what we're going through today. Right. I think, um, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot and uh, some of the similarities, anticipating, anticipating some, some things down the line uh, as as state budgets are drastically affected. One of the things is that states have, um, with with the economy having been so good and so strong and the the labor market, uh, unemployment rates so low, states were having a hard time attracting and retaining employees. Mm-hmm. But uh, public sector tends to have a reputation of being more stable employment. So, so states are going to be um, where they are hiring if there aren't uh, furloughs and layoffs. Um, you know, they're going to be an attractive employer now again. Uh, so states need to take advantage of some branding and uh, as an employer and an opportunity to to bring in top talent. I think the good news is is that states have over the past few years really focused on talent development mm-hmm. and training, and this would be a great opportunity to get some top talent in. And it'll be interesting how that training and and competency development changes in light of a partially remote world, uh, potentially too, because you know that's a whole, whole nother uh, skill set, right? I, I even look in um, from like teaching standpoint. So I have five kids, right, in <laughs> different ages, and I see that some of the teachers that have been in the system for a very long time and they're fantastic teachers, but maybe they're not as adept with technology. So it's like they're having their first Zoom calls, right? Where other teachers have had Zoom calls for weeks and weeks and weeks, and it's very structured. But that's a competency uh, shift, right? And it's we didn't even know we needed that in those trainings <laughs> to bring those people up beforehand. So it'll it'll be interesting um, how that happens uh, moving forward. I, I definitely agree, and that uh, I think most of the folks know that they need to take advantage of it, and. Um, you know, never, never waste an opportunity like this. So. so when, when you see like most of the members of your organization are appointed by the governor or, you know, some sort of way they're linked to the current administration in their states, when the governors change, what happens to their positions? What happens to, I guess, to one, the people that are currently in your organization and their positions and two, um, the, uh, I guess, the the personalities and membership of your association? Sure. So most of these folks are appointed by the governor or uh, the governor has some say in their appointment. And so a lot of times when there's a gubernatorial change, we uh, have a have a new member appointed. Sometimes our members report directly to the governor, and then sometimes they report to an agency head, such as the Department of Administration, who reports directly to the governor. So sometimes it, um, there is a, a length of time in the in the change of those um, 
members when they are appointed. Typically, uh, someone who reports to an agency head, they may stay on for almost another year before um, there's a reappointment there, uh, just because they um, just because of the, the timing and a lot of times there's there's uh, legislative sessions to get through and they uh, value value the experience but then do make a change uh, a lot of times it's it's always interesting to uh, see uh, the new person who's appointed it's it's not unusual for the person to be uh, very different almost a 180 uh, from their from the previous appointee so um, and the, maybe just a political political change um, you know, from a Democrat to Republican or vice versa and a different focus. But it's um, it's always interesting to see. Uh, and do you, do you see a difference in, from an organizational structure kind of standpoint in the HR leaders that report directly to the governor versus the ones who might have another layer in between, a layer or two, you know, in between them and the governor and how they can, you know, um, achieve objectives, set goals, you know, have a strategic plan that they want to accomplish during their tenure? Sure, I think, you know, there, there definitely is a difference uh, when when the HR director uh, reports directly to the governor. Obviously, uh, it's easier to share share the concerns and issues and uh, get, a, get a, um, a more timely response to some of the challenges. When you report to a to an agency head who may also have procurement and facilities, uh, some of their responsibility, there may be a procurement fire to put out that week. So the HR issue isn't the big issue that gets mm -hmm. to the governor's office. And so we have found over time that um, that you know HR has a has a seat at the table, um, typically on the governor's cabinet. Uh, things tend to move a little more quickly. Okay. That, that makes perfect sense. So in all of your, you know, kind of oversight of HR leaders, um, some of the challenges, we talked about compliance and laws and changes and things like that. What would you say are some, like what would be either your top two or top three best traits that you have seen um, within your HR leadership? Like what would be the top three things that an, someone who wanted to be an HR leadership would want to refine? Sure. I think um, the first thing, and, and we've seen it in a, a couple members who actually did not have HR backgrounds at all. Um, one comes to mind, um, our former Virginia member, she was there for 20 years, had been appointed by five governors, and she was actually an attorney, um, had worked in the banking industry for years. And she she was able to talk, their lang talk the administration's language, mm -hmm. understand uh, what their what their priorities were and shape her message around that and uh, she was very effective in doing that obviously with five governors and and I think uh, another one that comes to mind was a, a CPA and she was an HR director for um, for the state of Tennessee uh, um, instituted some very, very significant civil service reform, what tends to be the, the model that all the states look at the, today to uh, try to get their system looking looking more like Tennessee's. And, mm -hmm. and again, she could, she could talk beyond the HR, and that was very important. Because I think right now with some of the challenges that we're facing, especially in light of just everything changing so, so rapidly, um, I've been in HR for ever. 
How do you provide um, just because, and I would say, you know, people have asked me like, how are you doing? Like one of my good friends called me last night and he, he's like, I just want to check in, you know, see how you're doing. And I'm like, um, the answer is going to be one thing right now and it's going to be completely different in 10 minutes. So you are feeling <laughs> all the feelings during this pandemic. So what type of resources are you providing for your HR leaders, because, you know, we want to be, you know, you're, you know, as an HR person, you're the point person for your organization. You want to be there to be responsive and, and not, you know, hide, you know, sometimes or just lay down. Um, what type of resources or what type of coping mechanisms have you all discussed at, at your level? Well, I think, you know, the virtual cocktail hours are working very well for us. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind if I do. But, <laughs> Yeah, so, no, really. I think it's um, the value of our association is the camaraderie and networking. Mm -hmm. And it's honestly just that ability to call another member, to call me and just just talk, whether it's uh, about COVID-related issues mm -hmm. or not about COVID-related issues, just having someone to understand what's going on in your world. And, you know, for our, for a member in our association, there's only 49 other people who do what they do. Right. So um, just just having that understanding, I think, is the biggest uh, thing we've we've been able to do. And um, also just uh, knowing that we're a resource at all times, being able to to find that network. Because I, I definitely reached out to my uh, current and former HR cohorts, and we're all basically saying the same thing. You know, we're just when you see that person's number come up on your phone, you're like, "Ooh, girl!" You know, <laughs> and you just get into these conversations where it's like, and then this happened, and then that happened, because I think it's giving us all a sense of um, just kind of normalcy <laughs> during such a chaotic time. So, you know, just just being able to reach out to someone and, and have that network there, I think, is very important. Right. It's sort of been just, what the heck now, uh, you know, yeah. everything. Check this so out. <laughs> yeah, Because exactly. every conversation starts like, I got one for you. You know, where it's, you know, and you get into your stories about, you know, what happened today. I mean, HR has always been, you know, the best place to, you know, find out what's going on. But this is just so different. <laughs> you know, it's like so much. Well, yeah. You apply a lot of stress uh, to a situation and then people get a little crazy right and, right uh, <laughs> i mean i i think it's like um it's like wearing a weight on your shoulders all the time of stress because you just like everybody's walking around you know i don't know if i'm gonna run out of toilet paper tomorrow <laughs> and if i do what's gonna happen and what happens and yeah. what right. happens right and so you know and that shouldn't be something that is causing me stress right, right now. Because you would never think about that, you know? know. In, a, in a regular <laughs> HR day, it's just kind of like, you know, you get your typical questions, but this is so atypical. It's like, yeah. do we get time off to go protest, you know, and things like that. Yeah. It's like, well, what? Say that again. You know, yeah. what in the world is happening right now? Because there's, I, I think, a lot of pressure on people to, you know, you know, every time you turn around, there's another post or a meme or some type of social media or news story about, well, now that you have all this time, you know, you're supposed to be at home learning a new skill and a new yeah. language and exercising. And it's like, I've and, learned four languages. You know, so if I emerge, <laughs> Not well, you know, right? you know, no kidding. If I emerge from this quarantine, not as a bilingual bodybuilding violinist, please don't judge me. With a perfectly clean house <laughs> and know? an organized garage. Right. Yeah. 
And <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Fresh light bulbs, new batteries, and all the fire alarm. Oh. You know, every the whole night. I'm like, I'm barely making it to get these. You know teeth brushed every day. I don't know what anybody else is doing, but I'm taking care of my hygiene and that's really the extent of it some days. So what would you say for your members? Like we always like to ask the what keeps you up at night question. Um, for you personally, what keeps you up at night? And for your members, uh, what do you think keeps them up at night? And I won't say yesterday because it was probably different than today, but, uh, but today, what, what, um, what's top of mind? Top of mind is maintaining, um, to be honest, maintaining the organization with state budgets the way they, they're looking over the next um, year or so. We don't know how long this what, how long this is going to affect the budgets and economy and keeping keeping the, our resources available for our members is, is top of mind at the moment. And our corporate partners uh, who uh, provide consulting and uh, software services and benefits for uh, state government employees and state governments, um, you know, what, what their, their world is gonna look like as well. So that's, uh, we're trying to make sure we're continuing to add value and, um, for our for our members and corporate members, and for for our members, I think it's honestly just um, maintaining during this time, supporting supporting state government employees and keeping them engaged and motivated while understanding it's a it's um, uncharted territory, and then when they come back, having the having the capacity to do the work that they need to do. Yeah, because it's it. it it's some days can just be more draining than others. You know, it's even really just knowing what day it is without having to look at your phone or without having, it's like one of my friends posted something today that said, happy Tuesday friends. And I'm like, it's Wednesday, you know? So I was like, it's not, and, I'm, and, and then the sad thing is, is I had to look, you know, to make sure it's Wednesday. Right. You I, know? I don't even think I have had a weekend since we started this COVID-19 thing. Like since January. I don't, yeah, I don't know. 2020 has not had no weekends. No weekends. <laughs> no. There's, there's, no, there's no distinction between weekday and right. weekend. It's all the same. You know, you have to set alarms to be like, okay, well, it's 530. I can, you know, be done for the day. And then now what? Well, let me get on, you know, my bilingual studies, I guess. I start the day at five in the morning watching Groundhog Day because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's so meta to live it and watch it right you know? <laughs> so. i'm kidding i'm not <laughs> you know it's just kind of i just hear sunny and share every every morning that you wake up you're like oh my goodness so so leslie if if um you know your members take care of us in the public sector and take care of their employees in the public sector um, how how do you think that we as employees or their employees or you as an organization can help take care of them? Because obviously they're going through a situation where, you know, the governor changes, they lose their job. That can't feel good. Uh, the uh, massive amount of change going on within, within their states, uh, massive amount of uncertainty and heightened, you know, probably craziness in their, in their staff. Man. And, uh, and so they should they they probably need a little bit of help and and propped up what do you think that we can do um as a workforce to help them and just make them feel supported well 
I think it's it's having an understanding that of the monumental challenge they have and that um, they have to do what's good good for the whole and make decisions for the uh, entire organization. Sometimes public sector, particularly the larger they are, get very siloed and every agency thinks they're the snowflake, that they're the most important and that's not necessarily the case. And um, I think just supporting and be under, being understanding of uh, some of the, the broad policies that may have to be made and uh, to be flexible. But I think um, it's, it's Public service and public servants have an opportunity to shine right now and really show their value and be um, being of service to uh, uh, to the public. And and so I think they need to take, you know, take advantage of the, the opportunity that, that that's there right now. Unfor you know, it's unfortunate, but, um, you know, you can make have some silver linings. Make the best of a bad situation. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. Well, Leslie, we wanted to thank you very much um, for joining us today. Uh, for anybody listening, if you want to learn more about NASPE, the National Association of uh, State Personnel Executives, check them out at naspe.net, N-A-S-P-E.net. Um, there's a lot of information there about your organization. And if you are looking to uh, sponsor or, um, I guess, contribute to NASPE, uh, there's links on there as well. Uh, that you can do that. So again, thank you very much for, for joining us. It was a, a wonderful conversation and we wish you luck as we kind of navigate all of our states through this tough time. And email me that happy hour link. <laughs> Will do. Yeah, there's one tonight. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap on another episode of Work Life Non-Balance. To learn more about our show, and our hosts or sponsors, visit WLUBradio.com. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. All shows are produced by Jason Lichney and Regina Romeo and are recorded in the CPS HR Consulting Studio in beautiful Sacramento, California. All music is written and performed by Matt Michaelis. Check out all his music at mattmichaelismusic.com on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download music. Until next time, I'm Josh Goldman. Thanks for tuning in.